Welcome to another episode of Reformation Roundtable. My name is Joe Stout, and it is my pleasure to bring to you the discussion that took place on Thursday night, February 18th, 2021. The discussion's about two hours long, so buckle up. But we do cover a lot of ground. The first order of business that is on the table for discussion are the drafted version of the bylaws that we would be adopting as a church. Now, we did not write these bylaws. They are actually pretty much just a copy of what Trinity Church is using. Trinity Church worships right now in Bothell, Washington, and they are our planting church. So they're the ones that are kind of sponsoring or overseeing our church plant. So they gave us basically a draft of their bylaws and we discussed them. Now, ultimately, we'll have to make this our own. But as one of the men says during our discussion, they are more than a good foundation, meaning that the bulk of what we want this church to represent, based on scripture, can be found in the bylaws as they are currently drafted. There was some discussion. There are some things that we are going to have to continue to work through. But overall, even though there are several areas in which we are critical of areas of the bylaws, we were very positive in general about them. We also had a couple other discussions that were a little bit more brief, a couple on the book of memorials that the CREC has written, um, as well as a brief discussion on sacramental theology. Now, I had the privilege of talking with Pastor Dave Hatcher earlier in the week, and I mentioned to him that we had stated our goal to become a mission church, an official mission church, and begin Lord's Day worship in March. And during the course of that conversation, Dave gave some really good advice. He said rather than a time frame, rather than basing everything on just a time frame, you guys should look to get a certain number of families that are willing to become founding members. And, th and that critical number of families that he suggested is 10. So he said, if you have 10 families that would like to be founding members of this church, that is the key to starting. Now, that was not a rule set in stone. He was not laying down the law. That was his advice, having planted churches before and having seen the effects of churches that start without enough key families ready to be founding members. So with that being said, we are currently sitting at seven. We have seven families who, seven households, who are ready to be founding members on the first day of worship. If that happens in March, praise God. If it happens in April, praise God. Whenever it actually happens, though, we have seven families towards that. And if you're as good at math as I am, then you know right away that we have three more families to go. So it's a great prayer goal, and it's something that we pray for during the discussion. It's something that my wife and I pray for every day, multiple times a day. But 10 families is our goal, and once we hit that 10 family mark, we are off to the races, and Lord's Day worship can commence. So with that, I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to the recorded discussion. You'll find in the show notes the downloads for the bylaws, as well as the CREC book of memorials that we discuss. I hope you're blessed by this discussion, and I hope you join us because we're looking for three more families. 
And But we're not just looking for three more families. We're looking for 30 more families. We want this to be a little piece of heaven on earth because God's kingdom is brought about through faithful Lord's Day worship. And from that Lord's Day worship, we are equipped to go out into the world from Monday through Saturday and bring heaven to the world. That's what we want to do. So if you want to join us on this, I've got a website for you, and it's lewiscounty.church. lewiscounty.church. At that site, you will find a contact page. If you fill that contact page out, it will email me directly, and I will get you in. There's also an events tab on there where you can uh, see the locations of our uh, future meetings, and we would love to have you be a part of this. So enjoy the discussion, and may you join us in this quest we have to plant a Reformed church in Lewis County. The, uh, but I did want to share just kind of a, you know, God is, God is providential. So there's no, there's no coincidence. There's no coincidences, but God is providential and he works providentially through, through everything. And so I had that conversation with Dave on, I think it was Monday. I, I want to say it was Monday, maybe it was Tuesday. I can't quite remember, but I told Elizabeth about it and her, her immediate response was great. Let's pray for 10 families. Hmm. And so we sat down right then and prayed, and within two hours, I'd got a, an email random out of the blue from a, from, a, uh, from a couple that lives up north, up in Silverdale. And they said, hey, uh, we found your website, and we're, we're thinking about moving down there, and we'd like to join, with, join you guys. So, so I mean, it's, it's still, it's still, they're still live two hours away, and they haven't bought a house down here or anything like that. But it was just kind of like, man, God is God saying, yeah, pray for this, and... I, I hear your prayers. So, mm. so that was, I, I thought that was really neat. So I mean, that, that even right there could be kind of our eighth family if they, if they did decide, decide to move down here. So I don't, I don't know anything about them, um, about the family, other than they, they said that they really love Reformed theology and want to be a part of Reformed Church. And Silverdale, is, I think, was getting too crowded. A lot of people there, so. um, yeah, so that's why I've just got... Uh, I still, I still would love to be praying that this would happen in March, but obviously, you know, with a, with a physical number being like, okay, we're looking for ten families, it's going to be whenever that happens. So, yeah. uh, anybody have any any thoughts on that? Where would the location be? Yeah, great question. Well, that's 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 a that's a fantastic question, and um, it's not going to be at the Christian school, at least as of right now. Um, one of the one of the I. And I'm going to actually just skip to one, two, three, four. The fifth, the fifth one, the Sunday night, the Sunday fellowship nights. There, practice covenant renewal is the is the bullet point. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things I was talking to Dave about was transitioning slowly from when we do go to Lord's Day worship, doing it in the evening, and then like having like a six week transition period where then after six weeks, you know, maybe May first, we start in the AM. And he said, Well, why would you do that? And I said, Well. Good question. <laughs> I said maybe I, I said because maybe it would give people a little bit more time to try out the church and see what they think think about it. And he's like, "Well, you you that's he said that's fine." He said, "There's nothing wrong at all with that." He said, "I really would recommend you don't go in the evenings long term, but if it was just for a month or so yeah. like that, it wouldn't be a problem." But he said, "What you might even do is on your fellowship nights on Sunday nights." practice it as though it was covenant root of worship. You're, you're not having the Lord's Supper. You know, there's not like a, like you have elders necessarily present at the time. But, uh, so I thought that was, that was a great idea. So that, we can have that discussion 
a little bit later tonight, but the Christian school is not going to happen if we go to AM. You know, as long as if we're in the evening, it's open. In the in the morning, there's another church there. So. Right. Yeah. Oh, there is a church there. Yeah, uh, it's the satellite campus for Evergreen Christian. Oh, uh, yeah. Right. Center. And that added exposure, just from a, a kind of a selfish point of view, for us for another month, it would be good. Yeah. Yep. No, I hear you. To experience, do the worship. So right. we couldn't run a second church on the same. You know, one in the gymnasium, one in the. I don't think so. I don't think we could do that. Not unless they were like at different times entirely. Just, just because I, I know how that would be. Right. Um, but, but we were talking. Uh, my dad and I were talking about granges, like maybe the Oakview Grange or there's the Ford's Prairie Grange. Um, I mean, when I went to Christ Church in Spokane, uh, the first three years we went there, we were meeting at a grange. So it's granges are if if they're open, they're an, 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 an easy spot to start. They've got all of the. They've kind of got all of the, the things you need to right. help host people. Is that a public use thing that you can just reserve it or you rent it or how? Yeah, you'd have to rent it. Yeah. So there'd be there'd be some there'd be some cash out later yeah. for that. But um, so, north uh, part of Toledo too. Yeah, yeah. And there's one on uh, Jackson Highway. The get the name of that one. Forest. I think it's called Forest Range. Yeah. So yeah, don't have a location yet, but uh, but we're thinking about that and, and praying about that. Um, I got in, also another providential uh, email I got was from the pastor <clears throat> that uh, that pastor the, the church in Spokane that Elizabeth and I attended. He's a missionary in Greece, Athens, Greece right now, and he just emailed me kind of randomly, just said, "Hey, how, how's the church plant going?" So I brought him up to speed, and he said one of the best pieces of advice that I was ever given when we started was to to to, to try and get your war chest built as soon as possible. And the war chest in his mind is like a 12 month reserve for the pastor. You know, so you can call a pastor as soon as yeah. as soon as possible. So you have something to call a pastor with. So so obviously wherever location we pick, you know, shoestring budget would be kind of the uh, ideal so that we can put whatever tithes and giving into just an account, yeah, building up that war chest. So. Um, but yeah, there's there's lots of logistic things to go along with this, but but uh, but I, I like that number ten as a as a as a prayer goal. Sure. And I know Alan, you've had some really good insights on different practical things that we need to take care of and, and whatnot, and um, and so that I mean, there's tons of practical things to take to uh, to address. Um, if it's okay with everybody, unless people want to address that first point a little bit more, I'd, I'd love to hear what you guys thought of the bylaws. Are, are we good moving moving beyond the the um, founding members discussion? Yes, I do. Actually, I have five copies, and I've got them up on. I'm going to have them up on the screen. Anybody else need them over here? Luke, do you need them? I got it uh, right here on my. I got my phone. I'm okay. saving, saving the earth. Yeah, right. Good. <laughs> Are you, are you going to work, kind of work through a Joe, or you just want us to jump in? I, I want us to just jump in, and, okay. and the reason why is just because there's too much to work through. I mean, we can't yeah. we can't go through the whole thing. So I would love to hear things we love, things that were perplexing, things that we find. Well, I don't know anything. Um, I 
One of the one of the questions I just had on, on page twelve of this thing was I just wrote in the margin the stance on on formal youth pastor. Is that is that a typically typically not um, something that the CREC does or yeah, it's not. Okay. That, yeah, that's that's, that's, that's pretty that's pretty common for the series. No sweat. That's a good answer. Um, just see that. Where was that at? On um, page twelve. It's just a note I put off the side of my margin. They were talking about. I don't know. I must have put it there for a reason. I guess. Um, <laughs> Chris. Yeah. Up on page eleven, just talking about Christian parents and the obligation to provide and all that. And and you know, I did read that first chapter of the Standing on the Promise, which is excellent. We, it says we deny that the state or the church has the obligation to rear our children. Yeah. Oh, that responsibility yeah. belongs to parents. Right. Yeah, okay. um, yeah, yeah they, I, I don't want to say every CREC church doesn't have a youth pastor, but I've never heard of one that did. Uh, and, and that's not to say that they don't have people that are invested in the youth. It's just their parents. And it's not a, it's not a position in the church. Yeah. So they wouldn't see youth pastor as being a New Testament position in the church. They would see elder or deacon. Um, as those positions, and so if it's a, you know somebody that would be functioning as a youth pastor, probably be more like a deacon. Um, but but in terms of the kids, or you know, you know, they would do all. I don't know what you guys, what your experience was, Alan, at, at Hatcher's Church there, but for us it was the parents. It was all led by the parents. Yeah, I I don't recall there being. They do have something. Trinity student fellowship or something, but I was never involved in that. Yeah. So, um, mostly, if you were old enough, well, if you were above infant, pretty much, you were in service with your parents. Yeah. And uh, and that's what pretty much what was expected. They didn't do a lot of extra stuff right. specifically. Like the parents, even during the week or anything? During the week, they might have play dates and stuff. Mm -hmm. That was usually organized by Moms or dads. Yeah. Well, I talked to, is it Tyler? Is Tyler the yeah. assistant? Yeah, yeah. I talked to Tyler at, when we were at their house that Sunday, and, and I asked him about, not about youth pastor, but about ec some extra curricular type things. And he, he said he does do some work with mm -hmm. uh, the older older kids moving toward college age and stuff. He does yeah. do some work with them on that. Well, I got family integrated church like we, I was talking about a couple weeks ago. Right. Same idea. Yep, exactly. Right. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's. It's a. Uh, that's one of the distinctives of the CREC is family worship. You right. know, the worship. The worship of families together as one family of God. So. Yeah. Nice. Uh, good catch there, Les. And I and I have a question as well on the one, two, three, the sixth bullet. The fifth bullet down on page twelve as well. Uh, it says, I'll just read it real quick. It says, we believe a great commission has been given to disciple the nations to Christ. The instrument for accomplishing this is the preaching of the gospel. Prior to the return of Christ, we deny that the church should work as though we are living in the last generation. What's the purpose of that yeah. statement? I didn't Oftentimes, really... Oftentimes, nowadays, if they say, well, Christ is coming any day now, they don't act as if they're going generationally into the future. Right. They right. no longer occupy until right. he comes. We're not salt and light. Right. Well, to me, to me that seems contrary. Right. Yeah. I don't, I, see, when I read that, I remember Sturgeon saying, if anybody's going to go to hell, that let, they need to climb over our dead body to get there. Um, <laughs> so, and I, and I know I'm familiar, I believe, with the Second Thessalonians 2, 1 and 2 passage, but um, 
See, I don't, I don't think that way. That to me, it's just the actually the opposite. Mm -hmm. If Christ is coming next week, there should be no holds barred. I mean, we should be just screaming. You know right. what I mean? We should be just mm. absolutely fervent and, and out of control. Well, we don't know when he's coming, so well, we say it set something aside to continue in the future. Okay. It, rather than spending it all now because we aren't going to be here next week. Okay. Well, do you, but do you guys, I mean, do you, I don't know. What do you mean by set something aside? Meaning we plan for this to be a generational conquest of the world. So this is this is talking specifically about orthopraxy. We do not that the church should work as though we're living in the last generation. So if you're a farmer and you take your harvest and you eat it all, that means you don't think that there's ever going to be another spring where you need to plant it again. And we're they're saying that we need to be looking at this could be the last generation. Right. It, they're not they're not saying we deny that it is the last generation, but we shouldn't be thinking like, you know, oh my goodness, look at the newspaper. This has got to be the last generation, so therefore we work like it's the last generation. It's really just, a, I, think it's, I think it's mostly a mindset right. more than it is like uh, this is, you know, you have to have a post-millennial viewpoint. Right. Um, wonder, what do you think about that? I wonder if less of your concern is that, I, I, think, I think that they're probably addressing a concern with a particular disposition of individual that maybe you don't share. So the, disposition, so the disposition of the the disposition of the individual that would um, squander their time because they know there isn't much left. So but therefore, we're going to me to, that's illogical. It's, I'm not suggesting <laughs> I mean, but I, but it's I, illogical. I'm, think, I'm thinking that I'm thinking that if I if I give this the best possible reading, right? Rather than because what I'm hearing you say is you're saying that uh, there's a sense of urgency with the gospel that I would continue to proclaim but in fact I would actually I am motivated by the prospect of the coming Christ and, and you know so, you can look at it from both ends too not just the churches but your own personal I'm nobody's guaranteed tomorrow mm. you know I may have one today may have been my last opportunity to speak sure. to my son or something yep. about yep. the gospel yep. so I'm not I'm not busting anybody's chops on this thing I just read it and went you know, I wrote weak off the side, but, <laughs> but I just, but I wrote, I don't, I don't understand the lack of urgency and all of that. It just doesn't compute mm. with me, but that's, that's, no, that's good. That's, well, that's I, excellent. I think I that's, think well, some people can get really insulated too. Like they could actually pull back. I think that that's mainly what, I don't know if it's really well worded. Well, in, in, but in the second Thessalonians, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, these guys were just sitting around looking, looking, just doing nothing, yeah. thinking that it's going to happen. It is definitely positively unequivocally can it happen in a week or whatever right isn't that wasn't that the case in that in the context of that um you know the lord said we don't know the day or the hour so again that's not a right not a hill i need to die on well, or anything but, but i we, didn't want to bring it up we can add context to it you know we deny the church should work as though we're living in the last generation but should live with the urgency of you know hmm. as if we are in the last generation hmm. Maybe that was a statement against an attitude that existed somewhere. I was raised in heavy dispensationalism. Joe and I talk about this, and uh, you know the, the song that we sang, um, the phrase. I'm sorry that I. You don't polish brass on a sinking ship, J. Vernon McGee, hmm. and uh, which we are living now. The results of that. Hmm. Thank you very much. 
<laughs> because we didn't discipline our, or to train up your children as we should have. And uh, we're supposed to be salt and light. Mm. The church has, has put a light, a basket over that light, mm. but we need to take that off. Yeah. We are the only hope for the world. Yeah. I mean, Christ and our message of. Yeah. 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 Is, is some of the purpose of looking at this to see how we might structure something? Here, yeah. But this yeah. Is a, because that's not like that could be addressed. I mean, look at this is. I, I've got, I've got, a, I've got this mark to talk about with him. So. Keep yeah. Going. Okay. So when they have their very beginning uh, statement of faith near the, I don't know what page is, one or two, or the very beginning. Mm -hmm. Well, right at the very end, it says, and this is something. Maybe not as critical as what uh, Les was saying, because I, I think just exactly like Les does, uh, I think. Mm -hmm. You know, I hate to go out on a limb like that. <laughs> <laughs> but when you look at, they, they're saying on their last statement, uh, their last sentence. This page, page uh, this is the preamble or the uh, statement of faith? It's Article 1. Article 1, okay, got it. Yeah. Our basis, the last, the last sentence. Our basis for uh, the fe uh, for fellowship is a biblical confession of the lordship of Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. and I mean I just don't know why you'd come up with in an absence of a scandalous lifestyle. Mm -hmm. How about if you yeah. said in a in a lifestyle that would reflect you know biblical doctrine or something like that? Yeah. I don't know why you didn't Absolutely. say it. so. So you you could get rid of some of that type of stuff if that's what our goal is here. But wouldn't it begin to die on that hill either. Sure. For that it just seems like a it, it seems like a negative that you would not put in there, and you would have something positive from the scriptures. Right. So you're saying there that in a situation like that, absence of scandalous lifestyle is being put in the negative sense, where we could put it in the positive sense um, of you know, and leading a life of piety, or leading a life filled with or, the fruits or, of the spirit, or, or something yeah, like that, or leading a repentant. Sure. Walk with yeah. Christ or something like or that. Bearing yeah. his image well or whatever. Right. Right. And so, you know, we don't have to belabor that for the next yeah. 15 minutes. I'm just sure. saying that would be something I would go, well, I don't know if I would go I think, that. I was going to say, I think in general, that what I, as I read through this, again, there was a lot of little things that I felt like, who are they arguing against? Like, there was just things in there. I thought, like, there, this there is was setting up. At some point. Yeah, this is setting up an argument against something that I don't know. I don't, mm. I don't know what would take someone there. And it just seems mm -hmm. like, and that's yeah. the most that I have a lot of highlight in here. And it almost like, do we need that sentence? Is that mm. really, is that, is that stand, fighting something that isn't a fight anymore? Or is that a situation? Or, you know, it just, it just, or is it, or is I'm just, um, Ignorant, and maybe there's something that is really important that I'm just missing. You know, that well, I think some of it is if you if you start to really grind in on details, and you start to legislate a lot of things, when you miss something or it's not there, you notice that it's not there. Okay, you've and I call that's what I call it legislating because we're putting it on paper yeah, right. and we're putting it in black and white. So we're 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 saying this 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 and this. Then all of a sudden there's not, and you go, well, what about this? Because it, obviously all these other items have been important. Um, and that's a couple other notes. I only have a couple mm -hmm. more things, Joe. But, uh, no, that's good. I, that I, I, I look at the back, how many times it's been amended. <laughs> yeah, no, no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, the historical progression of that. 
you know, like yeah, which one when, when these came in and when they, yeah. You know, for instance, I'm, I'm sorry. But just before you go to that one, on the absence yeah. of scandalous lifestyle, I I actually like that that phrase, but I but I think it would work better if it was paired with a positive the positive attributes of, of Christianity because when Paul warns us, he warns us against certain things and he warns us or he encourages us into certain other things. So it's not just not being scandalous. It's about living, walking in the spirit and not being scandalous, you know, because because you can have in your mind, oh, I'm led by the spirit. And yet, yeah, but look at your life. It's full of scandal. But, uh, but maybe instead of saying scandalous, you say sinful. Because, you know, even 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 the human, even the, the unbelievers have things that they consider scandalous. But if we say sinful, then we there's no... Just a suggestion. Yeah. Then yeah. there's no doubt about what we're talking yeah. about. I mean, it's the the Simple. standard is God. The standard is the truth. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I mean. Scandalous I like seems like a, I think, drama. I'm not doing anything scandalous. Drama. <laughs> drama. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got some I, problems. I didn't get caught. <laughs> <laughs> there was no scandal. No one knew. Yeah, so right. anyways, go ahead. Look less with yeah. what you were. Well, the you know, <laughs> I'm paid to kind of continue my point about legislating things. On page 15 under uh, B, it says electors. Um, it wasn't addressed. It didn't say that whether or not women can be electors. Mm -hmm. And I, that because all these other things have been delineated so specifically, I get down here and I... Yeah, like, it does. It says the electors are the heads of member households. So yeah, but th who, that's not very... But whoever the that's head... That's ambiguous, of, though. Well, it, but, they define the head of the household. Oh, do they? And it can be a, it can be a female. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, okay. Well, if, okay. If, if, there, if there is something that contradicts that later, though, slightly, when they're talking about judicial uh, discipline, it says a report that this will be made to the men of the church at the next men's meeting. Mm -hmm. So that would mm. see that's and and that that may be that we never called a men's meeting. We called them heads of household meeting, and it was almost. 100% men, but there was a time when one of the men was called off to Iraq, and the, the 18 month he was gone, his wife came okay. to all the heads of household meetings, and, yeah. and was and had a, you know, was able to talk and everything, so. Actually, after uh, Kirby, after I read what he, he just talked about, <laughs> after what Kirby he even talk. what you just pointed out caused me to go actually back the page or two and make that note there, mm -hmm. can women be the head of household, and again it's kind of like, okay, you've been, been pretty pretty uh, detail oriented and all of a sudden this detail doesn't seem to be in here somewhere or I might have missed it too right um, um, and then the other the other note I had just on that what uh, what if an issue is with an elector or the head of a household can a member of the household directly approach an elder I guess I think that's kind of addressed maybe I might have, I just made the note as I was reading through it wait what was that again what you, here, here's, the last thing you just said right? uh, I said, what if an issue is with an, elect, an elector, parentheses, head of a household? Mm -hmm. Can a member, quote unquote, member of the household directly approach an elder? In other words, if a child, you know, if a, a child has an issue with their head of household, can they go directly to an elder? Mm. And because things seem to be kind of channeled through the elector or head of household mm -hmm. on, on paper here. Right. So that's just a question, just for me. It's not necessarily anything sure. needs to be written in here. Right. Um, yeah. And then I that, think I'm you're part of this group, though. To my mind, that's a perfect example of being able to make this ours as opposed yeah, to right. yeah, Trinity's. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, absolutely. But I does mean, that does it make sense when I'm, at, when yeah. I'm asking? Yeah. Okay. And and I think to to speak to the idea of head of household, it is we want a, a biblically explicit doctrine of headship, and headship normally is the father, uh, but mm-hmm. it could be it could be an uncle, it could be a brother. Um, or it could even be in the case of say Timothy. Timothy, it was like his. It was he was raised by his mom and his grandma. Yeah. Um, and so in, in that particular case, his head of household was his mom. Okay. Um, and, and that's okay. That. Yeah. yeah. About widows. Right. Mm-hmm. And then if there was a gathering of electors, that female could be. It'd be okay for her to be involved in in, in the proceedings. Yeah. I okay. think so. Yeah. Okay. I think so. That's cool. I was just curious. That's right. I mean, so Joe. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Whenever you're ready to leave that subject, yep. I'm, um, we're having another question that I, I, I haven't read the whole thing, so maybe I missed it. But for instance, you're looking for ten families right now, yeah. To see if God would lead us that way. Um, and so then you have your ten families. Then all of a sudden you have twenty families or fifteen in there, and things are going. So how does it work when um, somebody emails you from Silverdale, uh-huh. they move down, they come in, they're at church four Sundays, and they say, hey, we want to be members. Yeah. Um, what if they, you don't know much about them, and they come from a background, and they got a scandalous background? Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, how do you do that? Yeah. How do you, um, yeah, how do you, how do you... Yeah, well, there's, I mean, the, the, the official church thing that you do is you take them through membership vows, and they, they, they vow. I, I, don't, I don't remember exactly how, how we did it in, in Spokane, but there's a, there's, a, there's a membership vow that you go through, and then you're a member of that church. And you're, part of the membership vow is that you're submitting to the authority of the leadership. You're, you're putting yourself voluntarily under their authority. Um, and how do you go to do that? A lot of churches will do membership classes where it's like a two or three or four week class where they talk about this is the things that the church believes and you know we don't want to we don't want you to be surprised by anything like you might even read through this or something. Yeah, ex- exactly. No, totally. Right. That's uh, you're right. We yeah. didn't become members, but the Bible Press up in Olympia did that exact thing. They had a three week member class, and um, one of the weeks I think it may have been the week that there was all the snow. One one family family uh, took membership vows that uh, in our talk with Dave back in November question of membership was brought up and he said you have to be a professed baptized believer read the governmental docs of the church and then the vows publicly or privately page 14 so when you think about a month four weeks it's pretty quick and yet what do you want Eight weeks. I mean, I, I don't know. I just let, let's just point it out. It's on page fourteen. There's a whole. The there, whole there is some. Yeah. I think this question, though. I think following up on the background, you know, one of the elders, the pastor, whoever calls whatever church they were attending before, yes. finds out. Um, it doesn't state that in here, though. So I'm going to write down transfer of membership with a question mark because a lot of times there's a transfer. Like you call up. It, which makes churches that don't practice membership I think there's difficult. A membership there section is. in here, but it has to do with leading yeah, this church. The other way, uh, yeah, the other right. way right. You know, if you're yeah. aware that somebody who's been dis- uh, removed or excommunicated yeah. goes to another church, there's you get on the horn with the other pastor. Remember, and say, good standing. Um, yeah. Yeah. Hey, this this guy's gonna might be he was trouble for us. Just heads up. Right. Coming your way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's wise to you know, if you have, but it's a one. If it was only one or two 
elders that were a part of maybe the mission church, but then you know maybe it's another elder from Trinity that helps to interview. Like you, you interview, you yeah. talk to them. You go to their house and you talk to them. You right. see them where they live. You look at their household and you see what they how they operate the yeah. family. That's how OCRC would oftentimes do it. Uh -huh. There was someone who was interested in joining the church. Not only did they go to the membership class, learn the statements of faith, and and confess that they adhere to all of them, or to any with, uh, with appropriate exceptions. Right. But then they're also interviewed by the elders. Jerry, uh, do you remember his last name? Yeah, the guy that's pastoring the other one. Yeah, he's a Emmanuel Church now. Yeah. He was the associate pastor of Trinity when I went in there. Gotcha. We went to breakfast somewhere together mm -hmm. and talked about yep. history. When as part of that. So Elizabeth and I were going to Christchurch Yoast within a few weeks. Maybe it was maybe a couple months. Maybe visit did an elder visit. So he just came over to our house and kind of learned a little bit more about us. And yeah, no, it all sounds good. Yeah. I, I wonder though, I, um, with uh, participation as far as. Uh, there's a distinction between an attender and a member, mm -hmm. right? And so mm -hmm. I think that sometimes too, you know, the these membership classes often are, you know, maybe every four, every three to four months. So they're kind of like every trimester. So there's kind of a period of time where this person is around, they're involved, but they're not received as a member yet, just simply by virtue of the chronology of the thing, mm -hmm. right? There's sort of a, a forced waiting period. I think you can kind of, the concern is hastily putting somebody into a position where they're taking on a membership vow only to find out they're a wolf in sheep's clothing, mm. which I think is kind of the concern that I'm hearing there. And I think that it depends on, depends on frequency. Yeah. Um, but I do, I, in, in conjunction with an elder right. coming to coming to call and like you know, going yeah. and just kind of checking things out. So if I, it was around election time, we could see how they voted. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> That's a dead joke. Yeah. <laughs> see, you shouldn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's also, you know, that's why I've got transfer of membership with a question mark um, on this because it would seem like if if you know a church that they're coming from, there might not be a reason for them to go through a membership class. Uh, you know, it's like, hey, you know, they're going to they're going to Dave Hatcher's church, but they actually been driving up there and they want to come to our church, and so they they just get their membership transferred. So that's that's great great question. You guys are bringing up some good, uh, some good points in here. Um, I, have a, I do have a question on page um, um, eleven. They're um, talking about um, oh gosh, what's bullet point? It's talking about family governance, and there are two bullet points. Which the first one, it's the fourth one down there, um, is basically a bullet point denying the prosperity or word of faith kind of mm -hmm. uh, movement that is out there. I, I'm curious about the necessity of the second point mm -hmm. right underneath there. We believe that God blesses in a material way when men honor him through hard work over a long time, are generous with blessings God has already given and provide for their families and dependents. Um, I, I'm, I guess I'm curious about that because there's sort of an implication there that there's like 
is poverty the result of is mm-hmm. pure poverty the result of sin? And I don't see I don't see that uh, you know as as evidence in Scripture. Mm. Um, I I I, I, just, I guess I mean, maybe I, I mean I could be I. I could be persuaded differently, but I just haven't seen that. So, sure. can we talk about that maybe a little bit? What I had the same what, what, same thing highlighted, and I just thought it was it's, funny. Yeah. That, oh, I got it's funny that gotcha. they made such a clear distinction from the prosperity gospel, and then it, it yeah. feels to me like that one's kind of getting back in bed with it a little bit. Hmm. Yeah, that, that's my concern. Right. Was like, do you think the prosperity gospel teaches if you work hard, God will bless you? But I, I thought it was if you believe hard enough. Yeah, I mean it's. It's it's philosophically like power positive thinking. Right. right. Like it's sort of yeah, it's playing on well, psychology. I, I think the most dangerous thing to me, in my mind about the prosperity gospel is that God owes me something. Mm-hmm. Like right. I've done this, so therefore God, mm-hmm. you know. So what where's, happens? Where's the, the pay, God? You know, I've been faithful for a while here. I've followed the formula. Where's I've been given my money. Right. I've been come to church. I, I would say. Where's the payback? It, it seems likely that that is probably based largely in Proverbs because Proverbs does teach that that if you if you're faithful and you harvest you know you harvest in the, the you know the, la- the lazy son sleeps in the harvest and the wise son gathers in the harvest he works hard um, in that God blesses that kind of thing and then of course you have Ecclesiastes which you know in some ways kind of says you can work hard and it's it, you know in, a, in another a fool will inherit all your wealth and so what's you know so there's 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 both kind of give and take on that, but I think that it's it'd be pretty impossible to look at the way God made the world and not see material blessings and hard work. Material blessings and hard work going hand in hand. Now, they didn't say anything specific about what that material blessing looked like, but material blessing goes with hard work. Um, not always, and because the next part is uh, we deny that covetousness and greed can by means to obtain the blessings God can be a means to obtain the blessings God bestows. So, you know, there's a sense in which you can work hard, but you're being, it's full of covetousness and greed. I just, I don't have any disagreement with anything it said. I just, that's one of those, like, why is that in there? Mm. What is that, what is that guarding against? What is that mm-hmm. ensuring? Mm-hmm. You know, it just seems like it's an extra little line that just could be construed as, like and you said, like it just it seems like it can be taken somewhere else. Yeah, right. like, and, and, I, and I wonder, like, what happens? Does it? I'm always looking for. I guess I'm not always, but I, in this particular instance, the thing that got tinged in me was. I don't want to be passing judgment over somebody's circumstances if there is a material lack, which we're called to help the poor and you know and, and feed the hungry, and I don't want to look at that as an indicator of their position, their salvific position with God, right? And so to me, like, when I, when I kind of initially read that, it, I thought about it in its opposite form. So we believe that God blesses in a material way when men honor him through hard work. I agree with that. What happens if, the, the, what happens if you see a guy working hard and there's not blessing there? Like in that material way, like what is what is the underlying assumption? And uh, and by um, blessing, do you mean money? I mean, is that I, I'm, I'm not I, yeah no, yeah. I mean, I, when I when I when I read material, it material like yeah, so it says material. Yeah, so I'm assuming it, wealth can come in a variety of forms, but I'm not looking at it from a monetary standpoint. It could be no. 
you know, it could be some sort of other asset that, you know, it's another asset class. It doesn't have to be fiat currency. <laughs> but but <laughs> like, so. but like you wouldn't, you wouldn't consider like children a material blessing? Oh, I would. Okay. I would. Yeah. I, I guess I... Is there a kid uh, before? They will. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's true. I, 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 <laughs> the paradox. I, I never thought of kids as a material blessing. I, I never thought of them. Yeah. I don't know if I'd call them out either. I mean, they're a blessing. I mean, i got to think about it. But yeah. honestly, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't categorize them with sure. you know, yeah, I'm not house, car, you know, transportation, mm -hmm. you know, those types of things. Material. You are responsible for them. No, absolutely. For a while. Well, you yeah. know the other, and the, the bullet point above that one, the one you we're talking about, talks about head of house, the male being the, the breadwinner and all of that. Now, what if you got a what if you have a circumstance that presents in your church where the the wife is the primary breadwinner due to whatever the circumstances are? I mean, I guess you just demonstrate grace and say, yeah. you know, don't read that bullet because it's, you're going to feel bad when you do. <laughs> But, but would, would you say, Les, that if you are in a situation where a family has been set up with the roles reversed, that the church doesn't have, shouldn't have anything to say on that? No, I'm not saying that. And, and, and as well, um, as well maybe, maybe the family designed it that way because the guy don't want to work. I mean, that does yeah. happen, too. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, but again, it's like, I guess you just, you got to be graceful and use... Yeah use discretion and you know Dean mentioned there's principles in here you know you don't you know you you don't serve two masters to me that covers a whole lot of mm. a lot of area that may not need to be you know on this paper mm. right and um, Ron, uh, Ron uh, you were gonna say something well just I noted that on page 11 right in the middle of that paragraph after he's done the hard work over a long time, he's got to be generous with the blessings yeah. that God has already given. Mm -hmm. That said something about character, mm -hmm. in my mind. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, the note I have on here is Protestant work ethic. Like, we should yes. be known as the hardest working yep. people. Like, oh, this guy's a Christian? I want to hire him because mm -hmm. I know yes. I'm going to get mm -hmm. double my money out of <laughs> whatever I pay him because he'll, 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 uh, it's like Joseph in Egypt. He just, God seems to prosper him in whatever he does. That, that's what the reference speaks to more than necessarily the blessings in material ways. So, hmm. 2 Thessalonians 3 7 through 10. Uh, for you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example, because we did not act in an undisciplined manner among you. Nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but with labor and hardship we kept working night and day, so that we would not be a burden to any of you. Yeah. Not because we do not have the right to, to this, but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you, so that you would follow our example. Yeah. That's helpful. Thanks for reading that. So maybe it's again, it's another framing sort of thing. Mm -hmm. It's like... The, expecta the expectation of the statement is one that holds men accountable to hard work. Like that's really that's really what it, that's really what it is. And I think maybe it's the maybe it's the maybe it's the commentary that could be disheartening to the man who is not doing so well with the hard work. Hmm. You know, and that's where I mean again I, we don't need to be we don't need to be totally like 
couch, we don't need to be couching everything. I mm-hmm. don't think that that, I, I don't think conceal, I'm not asking like for a concealment of truth there, because I do think that there's something there that maybe I just need to investigate further, but it just, it kind of, it struck me a little bit that it's like, huh, okay, well, what's, so what's the goal? What's the active goal that you want? Yeah. Right, the active goal is hard work. Like, that's what you're looking for, because so, that is a demonstration of the gospel working within you. Uh, another way you can read this is, God bless the material way when men honor him. So, not man, when men honor him through hard work over a period of time. Oh, plural? Oh, yeah. okay. I, oh. Yeah, that's true. So that's, 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 that's interesting. Because so we're talking about that as a collective. Yeah. Like, he, he, oh, he's okay. not going to bless me materially. But when we all are working mm. together over a large time and are generous with what? Good one. He's yeah. given us. That makes me feel better about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that makes it. Yeah, with that passage, it seems like it's pointed at the people that are doing the ministry also. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really, this is almost speaking towards the leadership of the church mm-hmm. in the sense that you, we as church leaders, need to be working hard at what we're doing, not just based, sitting Based back off of the Second Thessalonians yeah. passage. Right, yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. I just, I, I think sometimes I, I, mean, I haven't looked this closely at a official church document. I mean, well, I guess I did when I was a youth pastor a long time ago. I was forced to, but I don't know if I had the same enthusiasm to look at it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's, it's, reading through this has made me question, you know, what is the purpose of this document? Mm. And, and I mean, I, I, one thought, and I don't know if this is true or not, is um, because I think we, as I don't know if this denomination is, but I think also we as a church want to be serious about church discipline. Mm-hmm. Yes. And amen. this, I think, in one sense, gives a gives a documental source that we can, you know, in a sense. I mean, anything in the Bible we can help people account to, but but this is kind of calling out the the really important stuff that we see as a church and that's that's why some of these lines I just think am I going to come to someone and say and you know I know she's been working hard and I don't see a lot of material blessing there <laughs> so that, yeah, that's the, that was, um, what's going on in your life I need to change something otherwise I'm going to bring my friend you know and then we're going to you know I just yeah you want to bring two more friends though because that's what they did to go <laughs> yeah that's right yeah exactly <laughs> And I don't, I mean, it, it just, it, maybe there's, I, I'm not saying that's the only purpose of this, is that for, right. but I just wonder, is there things that are true that we don't call out in the, in the founding document? Yeah. Um, and why do we call, uh, what is the purpose of calling these things out, I guess, is kind of the, because yeah. there's a lot of stuff in there, like, man, that's, I'm really good, that's in the founding statement of our church. <laughs> I think a lot of this, you know, obviously, um, churches have been through all kinds of Right. And experience yeah. all kinds of right. problems. And I think really this is probably the result of you know, the other founding churches having gone through a bunch of these issues and been needing a place to define it, to say, mm-hmm. well, we have this issue with this family or with this person. We need to address this so that it's in writing, right. so that we don't get hung up on this again, or so that there's not a question where we don't have it defined. And I think to be a really unapologetically biblical church that does a lot of things that the Bible says and enforces those which hardly any churches do these days, <laughs> quite honestly. Yeah. It, it, it's like a, it's a very detailed document, I think, for that purpose. Right. No, I, I, my view I agree, but how, I... How detailed all this so, is. Like, why so, do we need this? 
because there was probably an issue one time where someone was like, oh, I, I, we're going to do this, and our family's going to do this in this church. And it's like, well, that's really not biblical for this reason. And look, yeah. we've got it in our bylaws. Yeah. There's a story behind each one, I think. Yeah. And, and, and if they're there, you, you need, if, if you're an elder, you need to be prepared to, to follow through on yeah, it. Right? Especially if you put it in writing. And this um, is going to take courage. Absolutely. If, if rubber meets the road. <laughs> the, um, so, oh, go ahead. No, go, no, say, please. I'm, I just I was going to move on to something else, but if we're I well, I just want to add on the on the bottom of page eighteen. Um, oh. It says, if the one under discipline seeks to find a church that will accept him, then the elders of Trinity Church will contact that church and supply them with appropriate information and records for the disciplinary action. Yeah, page 18, page 18, page 18 right at the bottom, the bottom Speaking bullet. Speaking of church discipline. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You know, my only question, this, this seems to be, there's a potential here for exposure to litigation. Hmm. Um, mm. If the scenario may be, Oh, he's trying to get into blankety blank church over here, even though he we followed through on all this to the letter and we've got all the documentation we need. We call the pastor over there and say, you know, uh, this guy is trying to get into your church and here's what he's done. And, and, and as the pastor goes, you know what, you need to mind your own business because we're, you know, we're running our own church here. And then he turns around and tells the guy trying to get into the church, hey, listen, um, your old pastor called me and laid out all kinds of stuff on you, and if this guy's litigious at all, you Slender, could be. Etc., yeah. This just an exposure issue. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so, but it's in here. So if it's in here, you got to do it. <laughs> so, um, yeah. I I the I know I know why that one's in there. Okay. And, and well, and, and I'm not. I'm not speaking to the to the to the exposure to litigation because that that absolutely could be totally true. I don't know anything about that, but it it's done out of the um, the idea that it's not loving to just push your problem onto someone no, I, else. I absolutely agree. So if you kick it, if you excommunicate someone and you have the and you and it's for legitimate reasons, mm -hmm. that person is excommunicated from all the church, and it's and as far as it's up to you to communicate. It's that's like an important thing to communicate that hey, this guy has been excommunicated, and if he's in, if he's he has not been reconciled yet. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Maybe you I'm don't good. give him the details. Yeah. Unless right. it's asked for or something. Right. You know that would probably limit the exposure. That's a good great. So the, good. the I guess another question. Would be, I don't mean to be a. Maybe I do mean to be. I don't know. Um, <laughs> do you, regardless of where they're going? I mean, I guess. I don't think we'd call the Mormon church and say he's been, <laughs> yeah, right. you know, or I don't know. I mean, do we, is, is it any no. church or is it just a church that, and this sounds weird, that we recognize as, <laughs> you know, so part of the kingdom, call. you know, you know, I don't know. I mean, I guess the question is more along the lines of it's, and I'm not saying this, we shouldn't do it. I'm saying we should do it, but it's, it's dangerous to practice true biblical <laughs> discipline in yep. a world that, yeah. in, a, in a Christian world that doesn't really practice it. I mean, yeah. um, and I think that's something we, and again, I'm not, I'm all for mm -hmm. biblical church discipline. I, mean, no. I think it's, it's, it's important for the life and health of a church for yeah. sure. And, and I, I have not been in a, I've been in one church that kind of, practiced it um, and every other one I mean there wasn't even a you know and I think 
yeah. that's where the issue comes is you can call up someone saying, hey, I just want to let you know. And they're like going, what planet are you from? You know, what are you talking yeah. about? <laughs> um, and I just, uh, so anyway, I just, mm -hmm. I'm throwing that out there. Um, but I, I like that this is in here because I think mm -hmm. that is the right thing to do in the sense because you were talking you and I were talking about this last night that church discipline is not effective if you say well you can't come here anymore like great I want to come there anyway I'll just go down the street and go and you know go in the Baptist church they'll take me because that I mean the purpose of church discipline is you're saying you're no longer you can come to the table you're 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 you don't have access to you know this really important fellowship um, and it's it's designed to make them hungry and to see and to and to pursue repentance and to say, oh, I need back in, you know. Yeah. Um, and that's right. So. And to some degree, if this person or if, if the situation is if someone is you know excommunicated, how are you? You know, you may not know where they're going or what right. they're doing. Right. Yeah. Right. More likely than not, you're going to get asked a question by the other church. Like if they yeah. want to become a member, if that church has any weight at all, they're going to inquire with, oh, where did he come from? Where were you, where were you going to church? Right. Yeah. Right. Well, I wasn't going anywhere to church. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we've got a problem. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think I, yeah, I think that's a good point. Is I don't I don't see us as a as a policer like mm -hmm. following him around saying where's no. he going where's he going oh right. make sure we don't you know. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that but yeah, yeah. right exactly. Yeah, you know, when you look at Matthew um, in, in chapter, is, is 18, right? 18, yeah. Yeah, right. Um, and in a Jewish culture, people weren't quite as transient as we are. And to be drummed out of the synagogue was a horrible thought because then you were, I mean, that was yeah. the way things functioned. Mm -hmm. Right. And so nobody wanted to. So yeah. this is going to be a little different approach. Uh, compared to back there where nobody wanted to be kicked mm. out of the synagogue they were willing to deny Jesus Christ just to stay in the synagogue so, so. well I, th I think also that true biblical discipline is not kick them out and forget about them I mean right. there there is an elder that probably is closest to them and they're they're not just going to say you're not allowed to come anymore you're saying we really want you right. to come but you've got to deal with this Right. And we're kicking, I mean, it's just like I talk to my kids, you know, I don't I spank you because I enjoy it. <laughs> right. I spank you because you are headed down a path that's led to complete disaster, and I'm going to give you a little bit of pain right now, so that it might make you stop and think about it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the idea, and I, I think that's the same idea with church discipline, is if you just keep going down this path, and we just pretend like everything's okay, right. you're headed for disaster, and possibly bringing part of the church with you, you know? <laughs> But you need to stop and say, look it, you can't come to church anymore until you get this cleaned up. Then it, hopefully that'll make them say, wow, okay, you guys are serious about this. Yeah. You know, and, and you continue that relationship in a sense that you're still talking to them, so praying for them. The statement that they have in here to be read, you know, after someone is found uh, guilty of the charges, has some pretty strong language. Um, this is on page what? Page 18, uh, kind of top third of the page. Um, So-and-so is excommunicated in accordance with the requirements of Scripture and is put outside the body of Christ. He or she is delivered to the domain of Satan and is hereafter to be deemed an unbeliever, thus excluding him or her from any hope of salvation unless he or she humbly repents and is converted. Hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. And that and that's that's Pauline language. You know, Paul Paul talks about you know the mortifying flesh for well, the savior. Yeah, and and, and turning people over to Satan yeah. so that they might possibly be saved. <laughs> you know, there's like there's an element of grace even in doing that. Is it our do we have the authority to deem someone an unbeliever, though? That's a good question. Yeah, great question. Well, I think, so one of the things that I think is really critical with church, understanding church discipline, and maybe I, I probably should read through this document a little bit more carefully on this section, but just as a general commentary, is that this letter typically goes to somebody who is flagrantly disobeying God's word and is unrepentant, meaning that they're coming to you and say, I don't see what's wrong. And I can give an example, I mean, I can just give an example without names that we had a guy who was at the, at the church that I was attending that was uh, playing and uh, leading, uh, helping to lead worship. And it was found out that he was having an extramarital affair. Mm. And what ended up happening was that when he was confronted about this, he laid so much burden and blame on his bride for mm. not being there for him and Made used that, that as an excuse <laughs> for it that they were asking, you know, are you even repentant? And then the second thing that they said is, hey, we can't have you up front here in a leadership role presenting, you know, uh, or leading people in, the, in, uh, in worship. You certainly can attend. We want to help you through this. We want you to, you know, repent of this. You, but you need to be out here. And he was just straight up like, "No, see ya. If I can't be up here, no." And I mean, it was like a switch was flipped. So I think that in many cases, like this letter, typically goes out to the person who's not contrite. And so if you're not going to repent over something that is clearly defined in Scripture, I mean. The definition of a faithful Christian is one leading a life of repentance. In my in my yeah. estimation, there. So yeah. Kirby, what you your question is excellent, and yeah. the the times that I've seen this done, this has been the culmination of months of of counsel and bringing two or three people together to call them on. It's not like, oh, this happened Tuesday and you're out next Sunday kind of thing <laughs> at all, because because the church is filled with sinners who are repentant. So it's all about our hearts. If we're repentant, there's there's not going to be excommunication. Um, but uh, but yeah. And then the, your other question is: Do we have the authority um, to declare someone is an unbeliever? That's a that's a great question. How I would answer that, and I'd like to hear what the rest of you guys say, is um, the keys of the kingdom. Jesus gave the keys of the kingdom to the church, mm-hmm. not not to the whole church, but to the elders of the church. And that's the role of the elders to do, to protect the flock from this kind of thing. And so when you excommunicate someone, you're not saying you can't come to our church. You're saying you can't take the Lord's Supper. That's, I mean, literally, they, they're, they're like an unbeliever. We, we're glad to have you at the church. <laughs> you know, there might be, maybe, if it, depending on the circumstances, it could be such that they shouldn't come to the church anymore, depending on what the sin is. But, but in, in the essence, when they're finally excommunicated, there is a sense in which they are now the, the world for you to go try and harvest again. Um, is that what Matthew eighteen eighteen means when it says, Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose 
on earth should be bound, uh, loosed in heaven. That's that's how I that's how I understand it. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. So to kind of. And even at the end there, it's at, at, at well, the second, not the very end, but the last yeah. line. From from any hope, salvation, unless. <laughs> yeah. Closer, unless he or she humbly repents and is converted. I mean, the word, this is even this is even seeking repentance. Like right. The, and I think that most of the time, and I, I've never had to, I've never experienced uh, or heard of somebody experiencing something like this because. Much like that of saying, like church discipline just doesn't happen like that these days. But um, that person, I'm guessing, is probably long gone before they even get this letter. And that was literally what happened. Well, this uh, is uh, the unfortunate situation of what happened to her. And this is not this a letter. Is not a letter. <laughs> this is being read in front of the church. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> this comes after I'm, worship. <laughs> yeah, after the worship service. <laughs> okay, guys, and, <laughs> and and I'll tell you what it's I'll, I'll it's. It's not fun. It's uncomfortable. I mean, because when we, because I remember the first time Elizabeth and I experienced that, we were like, like we've never experienced a church that actually hold, holds people accountable, like right up to the point of excommunication. Um, and on the excommunication line, if you look in 1 Corinthians 11, it says, uh, Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. A man must examine himself, and in so doing, he is to eat the bread and drink the cup. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. A lot of times I think Christians look at that and think, oh, I've got to think about the crucifixion and I've got to, I've got to get my mind in the right place before I take the Lord's Supper. I don't think that's what it means at all. I think it means that if you've been excommunicated and you, are, and you go down to the church down the road and you start taking the Lord's Supper, it's really bad news for you from an internal standpoint. God does not look on that. He, he will not hold you guiltless for yeah. that. I mean, the context of that verse, it talks about um, basically the, the church was coming together and having parties, and some people are just eating, getting drunk, and other people didn't have any food because they weren't letting them have any, and it's just like, and basically they were making a mockery of the Lord's Supper. They weren't, yeah. they weren't taking it seriously as if it was like, yeah. this, is a, this is a thing that's supposed to be a unified uh, like indicator of who the body of Christ is that we're coming together yeah. as a, as a as a church and feasting on so so yeah if you think like you won't give me supper that's fine I'll go down here you know th there's a sense of you're saying Beware. that's what they mean by an unworthy manner yeah um, and it even in that same verse it talks about that's why he says that's why some of you become sick and yeah. that the result of doing this in unworthy manner yeah. has has really has produced some physical ailments yeah. in you you know that it's yeah. So, another scripture that might address a little bit what you were saying, Kirby. Although it seemed like you put it in the terms that the church was kind of generating this edict, saying, you know, well, obviously you're not a believer. So, but I think both what you've said there and then what Andrew said, a lot of these people leave, and in First John two nineteen says they they went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us they would have remained with us mm -hmm. but there had been some difficulties and they would have been done some repentance mm -hmm. but they went out so yeah. that it would be shown that they all are not of us and so yeah. that's going to happen yeah. and, and well, mm -hmm. I, well I, I think the, the other the ultimate thing is like you said there's the repentance offer that we're not actually declaring that you are not a Christian and can never be a Christian mm -hmm. we're saying you're clearly not you know partaking of the things that government now so you're clearly you're declaring yourself yes. not a follower of Christ right. by your behavior. Your, your obedience 
your lack of obedience is declaring that I don't love the Lord. I'm not, I'm not one of his. I'm, I'm choosing. Yeah. And I don't know that that's declaring their eternal state. You know? The idea is that you know, if you're not declaring their eternal state, you're deeming them an unbeliever. You're treating them as an unbeliever until they show that they can be right. repentance, full repentance. Like, it's, I think that's the idea. Yeah, it's like this is what I always say to Connor. I said that if you're doing something wrong, the best thing that can happen to you is that I catch you doing it wrong. Not that you get away with it and, and you know, you go mm-hmm. and that's kind of the same thing. If someone is, is choosing to go against the you know, the the truth of God, the, the then the best thing that happened to that person is for them to be found out and mm-hmm. exposed. Because yeah. otherwise they just kinda of keep, you know, doing this disobedience and mm-hmm. everything goes fine and it's just like yeah. there's a sense of God they don't ever get the over. sense of like, Oh my yeah. goodness, I need to repent. This is you know yeah. Love does not enable, it right. holds accountable. Yep. That's what I in, like. In a, in, a, in a modest, humble way, not an arrogant, right. dictatorial, right. Mm-hmm. vindictive way. Right. You know, for me, this, this, this portion of the bylaws is, uh, I, I love it in the sense of, I've never been in a church that has described and delineated it to that degree. And I know, like I said, there's a purpose behind it. But it's, it's rather refreshing because I think, you know, I've been... I've never, I have never been involved in a CREC church or a Reformed church, so I, I am, I've been conditioned to be very soft about this and be, you know, like Bonhoeffer calls it, sloppy grace, if you, will, <laughs> you know. And, and I think a lot of the church has become rather, um, you know, uh, wet noodleish or whatever. I don't know what the. The it's Latin e- term for that. Evangelifish. 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 That's not mine. That's not mine. But anyway, you know, I'm that's just awesome. that. For me, this is this is this is new in the sense that I haven't seen it on paper like this, and I yeah. and I like it. I really do, uh, because it just it just says this is what's going to happen. Yeah. And um, I appreciate it, but I think the church has become really, you know. Um, up there, that up there in the end. I read a, you know, I read a quote that, you know, the, the church is just looking so much like the world anymore mm-hmm. that, um, yeah. no, why, why would anybody want to join it? Why should I go have all these rules imposed on me when I can <laughs> do the same thing and just have a, you know, have a good time or whatever? Yeah. So anyway, I, I, I appreciate it. I, yeah. I like it. Did he, so it says, is guilty of the inference charges. Um, so you think the indication there is they're going to give the nitty-gritty details of the charges against yes. the person? Yeah. I mean, how nitty-gritty do they get? They, If it was sexual sin, they would say sexual morality. Yeah. It, it wouldn't be like, you know, on this date with yeah. this person, that this kind of thing. Right. Yeah, okay. Um, Dad, one of the things about that passage that you read that I, I thought was really, really good is that church, having church, having a, having a body of believers um, is all about sticking together and there's there's valid reasons for why you would leave your church or you move away or you you your theology changes or you want to plant a church there's there's reasons why you would leave the church that you're at that are totally valid but in the case of discipline if you leave the church because you're being disciplined then that that passage that you read there just seems to fit so beautifully with it because it if you were really a part of that church you'd, you'd know this discipline does not feel good, but it, I gotta think it's for my own, it's gotta be for my own good. I, I want restoration. I, I don't want to come under the condemnation of, 
of the Holy Spirit here. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think that, that because, I mean, this kind of thing would be awful to experience or to have to, to, to met out. But at the same time, it's, this is all done, like you were saying, Dean, it's done out of love. Love holds accountable. And this is not done because anybody wants a power trip. It's written out here so that no one's surprised when it happens. This is, you know, we're, nobody's in trouble right now. We all know this is here. <laughs> and so if it comes up, it's not like, hey, what's the yeah. deal? You know, this is, this is like, that's super mean, or you, that's a power trip, or you. And I think in the membership vetting, somebody has a particular problem with this, or let's say, I mean, somebody put themselves underneath mm -hmm. this as, a, as signing this document, having read through it and everything else. I mean, that, that's the difference between an attender and a member, right? Again, kind of going back to that, is a member knowing full well, yeah. if they had some objection to this, they better have a pretty good reason for having that objection. Mm -hmm. Or maybe it would be... I mean, again, you want you want people to attend and hear the hear the gospel proclaimed, but it would maybe we're just not the right fit, you know? Yeah. Right? Well, it, I mean, this this does apply to non-members, though. Excommunication. Uh, subjects of discipline, which I think encompasses. Mm. Yeah, that's good. Oh, right, the regular attendance, though, I think is kind of a key thing there. Because right. it says members and non-members who regularly attend. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, the other thing as well, if you if you are a prospective elder, or let's say you you desire to be an elder, and you look at this and you go, whoa, you know, I don't know if I can do this, or I don't even know if I agree with the, the severity of this. Um, you know, there's that aspect mm -hmm. of it too, the the vetting of leadership, because I'm going to tell you, you know, if you're a leader, if you're an elder, the the Lord is going to He's going to scrutinize you, you know, mm -hmm. you're going to be looked at and you're going to be held accountable as a leader, as a teacher, as an right. elder. The Bible's clear on that. Mm -hmm. You know, there's some trepidation there. And hey. so somebody sees this and goes, boy, I wanted to be an elder, but boy, it doesn't seem to be as fun as it might, could be, or whatever. <laughs> so good, um, yeah. So anyway, there's there's money. another. <laughs> Shouldn't get paid for it. <laughs> Can't take out a loan. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. You mean I'm not getting a salary for this? Right. <laughs> oh, that's good. Anyway, um, I think in the interest of time, what what would be really helpful is, I mean, if you guys had to put like a, I don't know, a percentage or like a, a like a like a grade A through F or something like that, I, I feel like we've had some really good some things that we liked about it and we've been more, more critical of it, which I think is really helpful because we need to make this our own. Um, but if you guys had to, just to kind of finish it up, as the bylaws stand right now, knowing that there are, there's room for us to revise them, do you, do you feel like the general thrust of it is, is a direction that we, that we agree with, that we like, that we, do we feel like it's way off course or do, you feel like, do we feel like it's something that we're, in general, maybe with some modifications happy with. Ron? Are we going to take this document and modify it for ourselves? Well, that was going to be the next thing I was going to say, is I would, I would love for us to, to, to come, maybe be a, a, have a little bit more like, hey, these are the things that I think actually should be changed. Because like, there's one thing with, with saying like, okay, why did they say scandalous lifestyle instead of a life filled with the fruit of the Spirit? Okay, do I think that should be changed? Yeah, I think it should be changed. So this is one of the things I think we, we need to change. Yeah. And then we would write those up, and then we would have to submit them to the session at Trinity, 
to make sure that you know that that how we're changing it you still can fit in there. Exactly. Yeah, because they're going to be they're going to be overseeing us. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Anyways, I guess the, the original question still stands. Do we feel like this this is we're ninety percent there, ninety five, seventy? It's more than just a good template. Yeah. I mean, yeah. legitimately, there's 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 more. It, it's the substance of it is is good. Yeah. I give it eighty five percent. Eighty five. Yes. <laughs> it's like B plus. B plus. <laughs> Yeah, I have. I wonder how much of this they wrote, or if they, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Didn't he say that he, that he used when they first? I thought that, that he said that he. Uh, maybe I'm remember something different. Well, well yeah. uh, I would say, when, when was Trinity Church founded? It was in the '80s, I think. I think they started like late, late uh, '80s, early '90s. So, but it was, yeah, it started. They start, started using it in '93. Yeah, modified it a bunch. Well, not being able to commit myself, I probably will abstain from saying mm. anything. I, I like the document. Yeah. I think it's a good document. Yeah, sure. Um, I like. I have twelve highlights, and we talked about two of them. But um, <laughs> sorry. But I do like the document. I sure. mean, I, I think a lot of it. A lot of my highlighting is of that same issue that I'm like, why is that there? And and there's a couple I'm thinking, is that. Like there's one, I forget, we can talk about it later, but there's one that it, it has something and I was like, ah, and then the scripture that they reference, I'm like, whoa, I don't, that is, I don't think that's what that says, you know? Mm. So there's a couple of things like that that I just mm -hmm. think, and my big concern is always, I, um, I don't know why I'm so sensitive to this, but I, I'm really um, guarded against pharisaical mm. stuff that, uh, if it's if it's clearly stated in the Bible, then absolutely, then let's include it. But if it's like sort of indicated in the Bible, and we use human understanding to kind of you know mm -hmm. draw it out, and then we put it in, then I'm like, yeah, I don't think it needs to be in there. I mean, that's just and so um, and sometimes it's just maybe I don't even understand the scripture that we're looking at, and, and people can help me. But I mm -hmm. there's so, there's a couple things like that. I'm just thinking. I, I either don't see that where it comes from in the Bible, or yeah. I see the scriptures referencing, and I don't see that it says that. You know, right? So I haven't, I haven't had enough time to go through it. Yeah. I, I went and kind of perused most of it and read the first half, probably decent, but I I need to read through it better before giving a, a yeah. proclamation on it. I guess, but I, so far I don't see any yeah. yeah. Right. I think it might be good, Joe, to, in the entrance of time and focus, that if we commit to over the next, I don't know, week or two weeks or whatever we think we need, to take the time to read through it carefully and make a list of not necessarily problem things, but things that we feel like we need to talk about for us to be okay with it. Mm -hmm. And it might be that we look at a lot of the same things, you know? Um, but it might be good to do that where we, we make a list and consolidate it somewhere, you know? Yeah. Instead of we each bring our lists and we're waiting for our turn to talk about our lists, you know? <laughs> right. But just make a list and then and at some point we say, let's look at which articles that we really need to look at closely. Because if no one brings up Article 5, Section B, that means we've all looked at it and we think it's great. There's yeah. nothing to talk about there, you know. I mean, I don't know if that's. Uh, yeah, Kirby, what, what, you were you were about to say something. Um, 
just the, the level that I've been able to go through this. I've been able to read it, but having gone through every reference and yeah, and like some of the references really helpful and provide context. Right. Like, oh yeah, something I didn't agree with from that may I may agree with it more. Others, it's like hmm, it's tangentially related. Yeah. Mm. Right. <laughs> right. That's a good way to say it. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like you could come up with your twelve highlights. And then order them in like the, the biggest deals to like the yeah like I need to get this worked out <laughs> <laughs> we, we got to figure something out here to this just rubbed me the wrong way kind of yeah thing. yeah that that's a good that's a good way to put it is that this really bothers me we really need to talk about it. and this is just right. kind of like eh I wouldn't mind talking about it but it's yeah. not going to hold me back on you know, right kind of. okay well good I I mean this is obviously a, a work in progress and um, oh. Uh, this is a draft, and I was just going to say, and I actually don't want to spend too much time on this, just because I know we can spend a lot of time on it. <laughs> but the only thing that, um, that he actually took out, so this is, he said he took out the things that we won't need. Um, and the only thing that that was, was the, um, if you look, I, I didn't actually print it, but if you have the, the electronic copy, or if you print it off the one I sent, you'll see the, the table of contents has a... Um, a bunch of stuff on corporation, like corporate language, and um, he said that they became they became uh, a, cor a corporation several years ago, and the reason for doing it was um, every every nonprofit uh, that is not a corporation is considered an association, and then there's liabilities for the members if you're an association versus if you are a corporation. So. That, that's another discussion. That'll take time to get oh, through. Oh, that's where all the error bookmarks came yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the whole lineup. Right. Like <laughs> so that, that'll be another discussion. And he, and he said they argued about it for years before they finally made a decision on what to do. Um, but they, ultimately it came down to they didn't want any of the members of the association to become legally liable for something that might come up. So that, that's the only – other than that, this is exactly what they, that what they follow, at least what he was telling them. So – so that's a lot. Yeah, I mean, you look it, at it, yeah, a, because it's all like corporate legalese. Yeah, it's the language of, <laughs> right. of law and yeah. Okay. Well, good. Um, yeah. So this is what I was going to say. There is that this is obviously a work in progress for us um, because just like the liturgy, which we'll have to come up with our own liturgy, which we'll talk about here in a in a little bit. Just like we'll have to come up with our own liturgy that is appropriate for our community and for our culture. Uh, you know, it, we're also going to have to come up with uh, the bylaws that are going to be appropriate for our community. But this is, like you were saying, Andrew, this is more than a good template. This has got tons of wisdom over the years built into it that we can be thankful for. We don't have to figure out on the fly. <laughs> um, okay, if it's okay with you guys, we can maybe move to the memorial E and F from the Book of Memorials. I, uh, I didn't print those off because I thought we could just go through them. I, I actually don't. We don't so, have. Um, before we move yeah. on, so sure. did we? Uh, can we get agreement on that? That we would, you know, whatever we. I mean, I yes. suggested something. Is that something we can all agree to to, to try to move forward on this? <laughs> I second it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so right. We're not a communicator. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he stuck out this time. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that what you're saying is exactly right. I think if. If you're happy with the way it is, you don't have any homework to do. <laughs> if you'd like to see some things be um, more appropriate for our group, then it's up to over the next, maybe, I mean, I would like to meet again next Thursday, 
And I, and I don't think we need to spend all of our time on this because I think it'd be good to talk about biblical eldership next yeah, week. Yeah. Um, but it would be good to, to come up with any other things that we've come up with next Thursday. So, okay. Um, are we good with that? All right, so... <laughs> all right, so I, the Memorial E is on terrorism. Is it going to turn on? Um, yeah, okay, the Memorial... Yeah, it's... Yeah, they're... <laughs> They're against terrorism, so free spread. Right. Um, part of the reason why I wanted to bring this one up is because I know some people. We didn't get a ch the when we when we talk about these at our at our big fellowship nights discussion, it, it's discussion struggles a little bit, and I've talked with several people about that. It's like kids are around, and you know, it's, it's not as it's not there's not as good of a situation for us to talk about it as there is now. So. There's no none of these memorials that are off the table right now, but we were going to focus on ENF, uh, terrorism and homosexuality, uh, simply because those are the ones we haven't talked about yet. Mm -hmm. um, so I'll, I'll put I'll put this one up there, and you guys can uh, can can read through it if you haven't read through it before. Um, Les, I know you had some things yeah. on the on the terrorism one specifically. Yeah, I have um, one. I don't know if everybody read it or not. I read it. A long a time ago, ago. We were, right. and that hasn't, yeah. I read yeah. the title. <laughs> well, How, like over the course of a couple of nights, or? <laughs> <laughs> a little longer than that. Yeah. Um, that's enough. <laughs> the, 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 first, the first bullet on page 45. Um, yeah, let's go to that. Yes, right here. Yeah. Um, that, okay. That, it, that's going to be a little different. Let's, I'll just read it so if you're listening to it, you can. It's not lawful for women to be mustered for combat service, for our Lord has declared it an abomination for women to don the martial attire of a man. Christian fathers must protect their daughters from being seduced or coerced into such a circumstance, and the church must support them uh, as they do so. It is the duty of men, not, not women, to protect their countries. So my only question is, is how does that... You know, if you adopt that language, how does that affect uh, a service wo a woman in the military service who wants to become a member of your church, mm. or if even if she's the wife of a head of household? Um, I mean, that's you know, that's severe. This is, but this is not the bylaws. But I'm just asking that right. language. If you adopt it as a memorial, and somebody's right. perusing your website and look going. You know, they're maybe they're in the Coast Guard or whatever they are. And they yeah. see that and they go, well, boy, they, I guess I'm not going to fit in there or mm. whatever. That, um, I just wonder about that. Could the differentiation be made combat or simply military? My mom was an RN during yeah. the Battle of the Balls in England. She saw some real serious stuff and right. she served her country. but And she wore martial attire. There's uh, actually, no, actually, she wore nurses. Well, no, no, I'm going to tell you what. Nurses in combat wear martial attire. She was in, in combat. But she was in combat. But the she thing is, but, but I'm telling you now, the, the, the theater of operations is way different in World uh -huh. War II. I mean. True. I'm just saying, is would, would because she's in the, our, the military, be disqualified? Mm. That, I don't know. That, that, I don't know if that language. You know, I'm not, I'm not for. Women carrying rifles and loading howitzers in the front line, personally, but 
that can ca that's going to cause some yeah. at least some confusion at mm. best, and probably at worst, people are going to go, well, mm. these guys are really strict. They're so strict. You know, I'm an ab I have obviously I'm an abomination, so I'm going to go over here. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to point that out. Yeah, I just don't sure. That work what does Deuteronomy 22:5 say? It's <coughs> one of those. Would you call it? it? It says, A woman shall not wear man's clothing, nor shall a man put on woman's clothing, for whoever does these things is, is an abomination to the Lord your God. That sounds more like a transgender. Yeah, that's, yeah, that sounds like I remember <laughs> when I first read this, I read that passage and I said, Boy, they're stretching this. Yeah, that's a reach right there. Yeah. You know, I would tell Dave Hatcher that too. I think sure. you're really stretching they, this. Like, the, 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 the man's clothing, um, I whether now this could be debatable, whether or not people, uh, you know, whether you want to debate this or not, but um, the man's clothing is considered martial clothing. In, in this particular case, the, the, the inference in the Hebrew is that the man's clothing is martial attire. Now, you can argue that and maybe, I, I'm not even going to try and argue that because I don't know, but I just know that's why they Why would they say, why would they say the opposite then? What's that? We'll read it again. The well, because because the opposite the, the opposite would be a man woman wearing women's clothing, which is non martial clothing. A woman shall not wear wear okay. A woman shall not wear man's clothing, nor shall a man put on a woman's clothing. So why are why are they making that why are they making that distinction? If it were just said right? a, a a woman should not put on man's clothing, and then that's it. That would seem more contextual for a military application. Sure. Whereas in this instance, it's like. You're telling me, you're giving me two sides of this coin here. And so it's like, okay, well. Yeah. Think so a man should not wear a non-combat uniform. <laughs> like, <laughs> like. Well, but, but I don't, th what it's, I don't think what Deuteronomy is saying, of course, it's a totally different culture than what we're in right now. But it's not an abomination for your wife to put on your sweatshirt when she's cold. That's clearly not what this is saying. Because uh, when Dad and I were driving here, we were talking about the, uh, another kind of, odd uh, requirement in Deuteronomy where it says you shall not boil a, uh, a kid in its mother's milk. And it's kind of like, well, that seems random. Why is that <laughs> there? But there's, but there's, a, there's generally in these laws, there's bigger, there's bigger things at stake. And so in the, in the case of don't boil a kid in its mother's milk, you're saying don't take the thing that was meant for life and use it as an instrument of death. Mm. And yeah. in this case, in this case, don't take the thing that was created as an instrument of life a woman, Eve, and use her as an instrument of death, a martial officer of any kind. I, and I would, and I'm, and, and I. That's could, what this is saying. No, no, no. That's what that's what this. Uh, Potentially do. That's a, no, sorry. The yeah, yeah. I think that's what this is saying. They're they're taking yeah, yeah. The yeah. Um, the Book of Memorials is is taking that interpretation as being there's more than just like the simple don't do this. There's like it's don't do this, but here's the gospel behind yeah, it. Yeah. Um, Again, my concern is the perception and someone looking looking for a reformed church right. sees that and goes, boy, you know, my daughter's in the military or my wife is or whoever. And, yeah. you know, they call it the uniform services for a reason. Every, everybody wears a uniform. You know, even, even the nurses who aren't on the ward at Madigan, when they go down and muster for whatever they got to do, um, they put on, they don the battle dress uniform can can I ask you a question on that last because yes, because you're you're a military guy and I'm not, 
Um, when we talked earlier about um, families that were switching the roles between husband, you know, husbands were the stay-at-home moms and, and the wives were going out and being the breadwinner, and we were talking about, well, shouldn't the church say something about this? Doesn't the church have something to say about this? What, what do you think the church should be saying about the, the, the feminist temptation that anything a man can do, I can do better. That, that is constantly being pushed at our girls. Well, I think there's absolutely a way to deal with that. And I think it should be, I think it should be addressed. I think there yeah. should be, that should be um, just, you shouldn't avoid that. My issue, again, my issue is specifically with what that says. But as far as um, any kind of feminist right. orientation or anything like that, I'm, I'm Personally, I'm I'm against it, and I think the church should be against it. Right. But I don't I don't know if, you know, uh, the military has be has become for some people a vocation. You know, Kirby, you were you're you know, a lot of you guys are in the military. Um, it's become a vocation. A lot of, a lot of men and women meet while they're serving in the military, and they right. end up they end up marrying. And the guy goes, you know, I'm not staying in. I'm going to get out and go to law school or whatever. And the woman says, you know, I'm. I've got a career here being a nurse or whatever. I mean, it doesn't need to be some some uh, MOS like that. It can be something a little bit, you know, combat support or something. You know, it seems like, you know, you're, I mean, they'll use the word abomination. Yeah. I mean, it's just very severe. We've talked about the word severe in this group before. <laughs> so if, if this wasn't the proof text and this wasn't word wasn't used, would that fee, would that seem like that would be better? Or maybe the lawful too. Making a marital, uh, martial attire, they even put the clothes on. Of course, that's symbolic. But I would I, could you narrow it by saying you can't kill other people <laughs> or, or yeah. combat as yeah. compared to patient care or something? I don't know. I mean, I mean, our I, there's a there's another. I'm not sure if it's Jeremiah 51 or not. I I have. Somebody, somebody can look that up maybe while I'm talking. But there is a there's a curse in the Old Testament that talks about um, uh, well, there's a curse about when women become your rulers. Women will rule over you if you don't keep the covenant. Um, and then, but then I thought there was also a curse that when your women, are, if you ever see your women fighting wars, you know you're under the judgment of God. And and I think I think the big thing that this is probably shooting for, and, and we can. We can say that this Deuteronomy 22.5 is not a good connection, but, but I think we, it probably, if they're willing to put that in there, it, it bears us at least look, looking at it further, like, is, you know, does this actually say more in the context of what's being said here than, than that we currently can read in our English translation? The, the, the thing that's a little bit interesting is, um, I don't think anybody can deny that there's been a massive feminization of the church, a massive feminization within our culture, of the military? Uh, uh, military. No, uh, just general. Yeah. Just general. Right. Um, you know, men are, 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 are depicted as buffoons on sitcoms. I think I don't have TV, but, but they are. And women are always the assertive ones, the intelligent ones, the well put together ones, and all of that. That's not really addressed. Now we're looking at something that's very, kind of very specific. When we, when the memorial or a memorial in some capacity in some place could talk about or address the feminization mm -hmm. that that is that that make 
that threatens the church or threatens our culture or whatever. This just seems to be, I don't think the Deuteronomy, this is my interpretation, sure. I, don't yeah. think, I think it's a stretch to use Deuteronomy 22.5 to address specifically um, female soldiers. Yeah. The warriors of Babylon have ceased fighting. They remain in their strongholds. Their strength has failed. They have become women. Her dwellings are on fire. Her bars are broken. Read that again. Say the last part again. I don't see that connection at all. The warriors of Babylon have ceased fighting. They remain in their strongholds. Their strength has failed. They have become women. Her dwellings are on fire. Her bars are broken. Yeah, is that is that addressing a gender or just saying that they're like women? Sounds like they're, they're I think they're, 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 they're behaving they're behaving in a specific yeah. way, which yeah. would in this context be important. In in what it's saying here, it's the duty of men to protect their countries. Not women. And not women in, in this particular case. I even that, he, but I even think this proof text for that, which I agree with. I agree with that sentiment, that statement. But even yeah. this is the proof text decides the possibility. But it, but it's, but there's an in, inference there that if they become women, of course they're not going to fight because women don't fight. At least they don't fight. Uh, as, I think that's a stretch. <laughs> well, the, 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 once again, coming back to because because you know we don't. I mean, have the to, the problem is that we're using proof to I. I hate that word, proof text, and I mean, we use it all the time, but proof texts are, are you, you're, you're in dangerous ground every time you use proof text. You, you you're mean, going, you it's like, this is what I want to say. Because you're saying that you're proving something, or, or is it just the term proof text, or like if well, you say, the way, here's my scripture to The way proof it? text is usually used is, here's this thing I want to say, and... Mm -hmm. Uh, oh, there's my proof text. You know? Yeah, it's like I got a I got a hunt for it, so I'm looking for a confirmation bias. Sure. Right? Whereas, so where, where is it? Where is it located that I can manipulate the statement? And, and yes, that's the, the abuse of it. But I'm saying even that um, anything that I'm declaring as a truth that I'm going to put in a document, that I'm going to hold up and say this is true, it should be um, supported by the breadth and depth of scripture, not. I found this one proof text sure. that's that's yeah, that's a real um, bad hermeneutic. Yeah. Right. So so I'm I'm just I just want to go back to the to because we don't have to spend the rest of the evening on no, this. But on this the thought of women not having the role of fighters. We're I think we're all in agreement on that. Yes. And so this could be something where we go to Dave and we say, Hey, we're struggling with this bullet point under this memorial. Not with the sentiment of it, but we're struggling with these things. Um, what can we do about that? Is there something we yeah. can do about that? It, we I don't think have to accept this. No, you don't. Yeah, you're right. You don't have to yeah, accept it. Because uh, what Les said there, I think that whole feminization thing is what should be addressed. Yeah, that's, uh, uh, this goes back to... Life. Right. Not to open back up a can of worms that I think was closed, but th the same issue here is for me with the, with the um, government school one. That I love that that I mean, ninety eight percent of that state that um, memorial, mm -hmm. and then there's that one line in there that, that I think cheapens the whole memorial. That it zeroes in and says, well, if you take your kids to public school or you take your kids to, I mean, if you if you take your kids to Christian school or homeschool, and then you're okay, and if you don't, you're not. I mean, it, I, it just seems like I don't need that. I mean, the whole memorial is talking about that. 
parents are responsible for the education of their children, and they're, you know, it, it's really great, and, there's, and it's using scripture, and I think in a very right way to support what they're saying, mm-hmm. and then they have that one little line that somehow... Are you, ta- are you talking about this line, parents who do not fully understand the indispensability of Christian education should be warmly received in the membership? No, the... the <laughs> no, the previous... Up a little bit higher. Where is it? Maybe they took it out. <laughs> yeah. government, government schools tend to be, by decree and design, exclusively godless, and therefore... I agree with that. Yep. <laughs> Okay, yeah. Um. Right there. Whether by means of Christian schools or homeschooling. Um, so it, you, don't want, you don't want them to, to call out Christian, Christian schools or homeschooling? Well, I, the, the point is that it seems like it's, it's taken all this wonderful, important, really good truth, and then it's, it's, to me, it feels like it's summarizing it by saying, well, if you send them to a Christian school or homeschool, you're okay. You're doing right. all this stuff. If you don't, then well, you're, you're not. You're practical application. That, I, I, yeah, I, I, I get it. I'm just saying I don't, I think it cheapens the, the, and. Could, do and, you think you could read this and come away thinking, yeah, government school is probably fine? I don't see, I, I don't if you remove, if you remove I mean, that statement, I don't think, I still don't think you come to that conclusion. Right. I don't see how you could, especially now. Okay. <laughs> I mean, maybe right. 30 years ago, you, Right. You know, you'd say, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I could do that. But, but at this point, I mean, it just, right. I mean, I, I think you could come away and say, yes, I can use the, the public school. But I don't think you could say, it's fine. All doors open. You know, I mean, I, I right. think there's, it, this would make any parent stop and think about, okay, I think, I mean, that, yeah, I'm, ser- I'm in charge of the of education of my kids, and I need to be, I need to seriously think about, I need to seriously vet a Christian school if I'm gonna send them there. Right. I need to seriously yeah. vet a government school if I send them there. I need to take kids seriously homeschooling if I'm gonna do it. I mean, mm-hmm. I could homeschool them and really mess up, you know? Yeah. I, it, yeah. it puts a, an extra, this puts an extra charge on me as a homeschool dad that I'm like going, man, this is serious. I can't yeah. just like throw some books at them and say, which I think that's what the sentiment we want to say, what we want to get across is, you know, your responsibility as a parent is really serious. Yeah. That you are raising your kids in the fear and the admonition of the Lord, and that doesn't just happen by accident. Right. You, you can't just like, as long as you keep them home, it's okay. And no, that's not the truth. And to use, to, I'm sorry, <laughs> you know? to, use, to use that language to make that point, if you ask me, Les, where do your grandchildren go? They go to Napafine Elementary. No, seriously. You know, I, I don't homeschool my, you know, we're trying to get them in the, where the Christian school, but, but yeah. you know, yeah. right now they're at Napavine. So we spend a large portion of our time uninculcating them and unindoctrinating them and doing all those things. You know, yeah. we, we do try, yeah. to, try to endeavor right. to do that. I think there's a better way to say that, just like I think there's a better way in the military thing. What, what do you think well. less about the cases? Is that what you're going to say, Dean? Yeah, yeah. go ahead. You well, go in cases where Christian education is yeah. a possibility, parents must be active and diligent in overseeing the education of their children. But what about a, a widow with four kids mm-hmm. who can't afford it? Yep. Will the church put their money where their mouth is? Literally? Yeah, right. Yep. 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 Which, again, I think this encourages children. that. That, that right. if, the, if, the, if, as a congregation, we believe that all parents should be raising their kids in the fear and admission of the Lord, 
and we see someone that's saying, man, I, I'm stuck. I got to take them to the public school. I don't yeah. know what else to do. We come around them and say, hey, let's yeah. let's help you. I mean, I'm a math teacher. Send yeah. them over to me for a while. I, mean, I yeah. can I can help them. You know. Do you or, think Do you, you know, think though that if you, I, I mean, I'm, maybe I'm just kind of playing the other side here. Just maybe I shouldn't be dragging this out. I, I didn't mean to derail <laughs> no, our no, conversation. No, no, no. This I, is, I was, this I was trying to make it. I was trying to make a connection to yeah. that, again, the point there yeah. was that we have this very serious thing going on in our culture of this feminization of, and, and like, really, well, even I think, I mean, that's the beginning of it, but it's now it's turned into just like, there is no role, there is yeah. no difference, we're all yeah. men and women the same, boys and girls, we're not even sure if there are boys and girls anymore, you know, I mean, that's, that's much bigger to me and it seems like we're just kind of ignoring that and going okay make sure they don't wear any uniforms you know yeah I mean, that just yeah. seems like a weird feel, uh, preacher split coming up. <laughs> <laughs> we're done <laughs> to me if you just took that phrase therefore you know if you just took that out and just continued on with that out with that accent i think it would read back to the school thing would read very well right. you know and one of the things is that you wouldn't a lot of anybody or, a lot of the good things in the memorials are actually restated in the bylaws, yeah, that's true. and that's a true. lot of the controversial things are not restated in the bylaws. Right. So what, one of the things you could do is you could just say, yeah, we, we know the memorials, we, we agree with most of what the memorials say, we've got a little bit of friction on some of the way they say them, but what we post on our website, what we what we preach, you know, not what we preach, but what we, what people, when people say, hey, what do you believe, it's the bylaws, you know, the bylaws that we send people to. Not for the new membership. And yeah, for like new membership, exactly like that. Are the memorials on um, Dave's website? I don't know. I got this off of the CREC website. Okay, okay. Got that. Okay. So, yeah, it's, th in his idea with going through, like, I've told several people, we went through the Book of Memorial. I went to a CREC church for five years. I didn't even know this existed. So it was not something we ever, <laughs> yeah, we, ever cool. we, we ever even brought yeah, up. So the point, then, I guess. It's, it's, it, 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 it matters. But it's it also is not like this is not what you're leading with. This yeah, is not right. the first thing people see. So I think we'll it's not a mute point because I think it is. You know, when we go to call a pastor, um, they don't have to come from this seminary, but it makes sense to at least look there. You know, yeah, right. Um, and so, so I think being well aware of the memorials and possibly you know, that definitely gives a backdrop of what someone that comes solidly from this nomination might look, you know, feel like mm -hmm. or look like. So I think, not necessarily, I mean, there, there could be big people yeah. going to the Great Fires, you know, seminary that look at you that one's already bo always yeah. bothered me, but I, right. you know, I can live with it. And that's kind of, right. you know, so. Yeah, great. Um, we good with that? I mean, we good with moving on to homosexuality? Yeah, that, and I appreciate that point a lot, I really do. Uh, especially, well, yeah, I, I really appreciate that, that concern on that one. One, one positive thing, if I we can scroll up just a second and we move on to the next thing, that uh, and since I didn't have a chance to read this, I can you keep going up a little bit? I think, uh, where was it? Um, oh, uh, maybe it was down below. It was basically, it was basically, the, sec it was basically the section that was essentially saying that, like, hey, God, these are these events are oh, yeah. ordained. Right, it's right here. Like these these events are ordained things, mm -hmm. and then the other thing too is that like Number don't one. just assume because we say God bless America, 
that we all are meaning the same thing. Kind yeah. Of. Like the, the vibe that I was getting out of it is like, hey, your war is not necessarily, necessarily holy and just mm-hmm. by going after these guys, especially yeah. if you're not going after them and then, you know, yeah. you know, in the name of the Lord. Like this isn't like, oh, we're just going to call almost like a, again, the word of faith, prosperity mm-hmm. God, doctrine kind of thing. It's like God is not your personal genie. Mm-hmm. That you like, okay, here we go. We're gonna go into battle, and I'm gonna summon you. Oh, but by the way, I haven't lived for you ever. <laughs> right, exactly. Like, give yeah. me a break. So anyway, I think that that I think that that's a kind of a that resonates with me. Yeah. Only because I do see a lot of nominal, uh, mm-hmm. nominal air quote Christians that um, think that there's some sort of that they're endowed to have. Right. God acting as a force in their favor when in reality they've never served him. Right. So it's like Yeah. Anyway, so I thought that, that was actually good. Yeah, really good. Uh any did I mean uh, on the the, the uh, homosexuality section, was there any so a lot of these, as you can see, were written prior to 2003. I, I know that the terrorism one was re- written as a response to 9/11. Uh, so these are these have been it's been a while, or I mean these have been written for a while, which is why they they actually dated this one on homosexuality. Um, did anybody have anything that um, that we needed to discuss on the homosexuality one that we felt like was needed discussion? And, and if you if you want to read through it if you want to read through it later and, and that's you can it's not uh, we don't have to discuss anymore I just wanted to give us an opportunity to talk about it if, um, if homosexuality is something that is um, we feel like we've seen how the church handles it and we've got like an opinion on um, I don't I don't know if it's in here but I just one thing I really appreciated about in the in the earlier document when it talked about this is it referred to there is no sin that's beyond mm-hmm. the grace of God which yes. I think they, they made a point to make a paragraph for mm-hmm. that because I think like uh, I think it, I also agree that pastors are afraid to preach against this but I think on the other side we also are tempted to say well this is the ultimate this is the one sin that you know <laughs> this, they, they have no place in the kingdom and and I, you know I think it is important to say repentance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I yeah. mean, there's nothing that we. I mean, you know. It's so. it's an issue, not the issue. Right. Mm-hmm. But the right. issue is sin. Yeah. This is one of them. But it does happen to be a a particular sin that has been foisted and forced, and not only not only are we required as a culture to accept it, we're supposed to embrace it and celebrate yeah. it. Yep. You know, you adulterers hate? don't have a club and, and have activists. Well, they do have a club, club, but it's secret. Well, okay. <laughs> but you we, see what we found the, that yeah. out. Yeah. So and bez- and bezlers don't get this kind yeah, of treatment. Exactly. Bank robbers <laughs> don't have their convention. They don't have a parade in But but you know there there is that that element as well. It's they're just it's it's an in your face deal. And the Bible does call it sexual sin also as yeah. a, as a, there is it does set it apart. And yeah. it's particularly it's heinous. It's yeah. a sin that you're yeah, doing against the temple of God. I I think that but even that sexual sin I mean you know we we all have the the uh, propensity to say 
have a lot of problem with the sins that we don't have any problem with yeah. mm-hmm. and be much more graceful towards the sins that we yeah. struggle with. You know? our, our sin always looks worse. Than yeah, and even I think to, you know, I mean, definitely we would never say that adultery is okay, but, but there is a temptation to say, well, at least the, he was doing it with a, with a girl, you know, as opposed to, I mean, I, I think there is a temptation, you know, and I yeah. think that we have to guard our hearts against that, yeah, that, that, you know, sin is sin. It's not... Yeah. Um, the, I've, I've what, literally heard that verbatim. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even joking. I was like, well, I have two. You know, I may be a drug dealer, but I give everybody a fair account. Yeah. <laughs> and I give some money to a charity afterwards. Yeah. Love, love for neighbor compels us to remind those who are caught in the depths of sin that God and His holiness will not be wrong. Mm. So it's like the reason why we would preach against it, the reason why this is we're making an issue of this, is because of charity. It's because we want. Love it. We love, yeah, we don't want them to fall, we don't want anyone to fall into the judgment of God. Right. And that is where we're all headed without, without, without repentance, without the repentance. Okay, um, in interest of time, I thought we could just touch very, very briefly on baptism in the Lord's Supper. And, and maybe this can just be like a, a little bit of a prelude to a further discussion that we can have. Um, I remember when um, we first started going to Christ Church, we, um, let's see, where was that? It's, we, uh, I struggled with the, the view of the sacraments in terms of who could take the Lord's Supper. Um, they did not, they did not make a, uh, they did not make a, a, a big deal about making sure that you, um, you know, navel gaze during during uh, during communion and think about Jesus dying on the cross and that kind of thing, but they but they did make a big deal about um, where is it? Here it is. It's under Article One. I think we'll buy it. I'm just gonna put it up here on the screen. But it's under Article One. It's Section Four. Four. Well, it's four, 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 four. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. So. All right, I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> I have it highlighted. Should I bring mine? Oh, yeah, here we go. It's under, it's section two. It's under article Oh, there two. we go. So, community members, under the heading of Christ, the responsibility for administering the sacraments remains with the elders, who nevertheless respect the pastoral responsibilities of the head of each household. I love that. Uh-huh. And I think, every, I think most people here probably love that. All family members of member households who have been baptized um, uh, and have come to the Lord's table are deemed to be communicant members. All who are baptized are expected to partake of the Lord's table, and the parents are charged to carefully and regularly instruct the child in the gospel and in the meaning of the supper. So there's no um, self-excommunication of the supper. I think that's something that never gets preached on, but people will hold themselves back from the supper, and there's no scriptural um, imperatives to do that. You don't excommunicate yourself. Jesus is somebody who... He's gentle and lowly. He takes on he, he takes on your sin, and if you've had a, a rotten week, you confess, you receive his forgiveness, and you partake of the Lord's Supper. That's what it's all about. And so this is all common ground. Where I struggled and for, for several years is the idea that baptism needed to precede communion. And I understand not everybody is, is going to, uh, to is going to agree with that. Um, and so I just have a few prelim- preliminary thoughts on that, maybe for discussion later, and then we can do a little bit of discussion now. We just sort of run out of time. But um, why baptism before communion? Who is communion for? Uh, communion is for those who are in the body of Christ. The body of Christ is for the body. So Jesus' body 
are his people, and that's who his body is for. That's, that comes right out of Corinthians. In, in one, one pastor says, bread should get bread. You know, if we're part of the body of Christ, we should get the body of Christ. Um, now, here's the thing that we might have some uh, disagreement on. Who is identified as being in the body of Christ? How do we identify who's in the body of Christ? Is it church membership? Is it, you know, the fruits of the Spirit? I would say that those who bear the mark of baptism, identifying them in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. The, the, the those who are in the body of Christ are those who have been baptized. So baptism is a declaration of life, and communion is food for those who are alive. Um, and, I, and there's uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 4, talks about how we're baptized into Moses. Um, we, the way we were baptized is we went through the Red Sea. Um, and then after we were baptized in Moses, then we, we ate the, 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 the heavenly bread and the water from the rock. And the rock was Christ. Um, and so that's, and then, and then the final thought there is in 1 Corinthians eleven eighteen. it says, when you come together as a church, there's all of these things going wrong, right? Thad, you were just talking about that. Um, so who is it? Who is the church? How do we, how do we know who the church is? Some, maybe some people would say it's church membership. Um, but I think it, the, I think the obvious one, to me it's obvious, it's not obvious, it's, it's, people disagree with this, but I think the obvious one to me, that it's, it's convincing to me, is that baptism, which is a public and a visible sign of being in the body of Christ, is what shows that you're in the church. Um, and so, church means the called out ones. It means those who have been called out, and that's, I think, what baptism does. And so, because communion is food for people who are part of Christ's body, you would, you would receive, you wouldn't give your kids communion, you wouldn't give anybody communion who wasn't visibly, this is how the logic goes, who wasn't visibly marked as Christ, part of Christ's body. That's, that's how the, the thinking goes. Now, I, I, that's open for debate, of course. It's just a, a preliminary little thing that I've thrown out there. But That's the thinking of the denomination or your take on it? Or like, what is that? Yeah, that's good. It's a good question. It, this, this comes from my own... You know, okay. struggle going from yeah, more yeah. Baptistic theology into more covenantal theology, um, and specifically on what baptism is, I, I I I see baptism not so much as this this decision that we make, but it's it's a it's a declaration that God makes, um, and so but but this some of this came straight from Dave because I was yeah. I was talking with Dave about this because you know I I struggled with it and it's yeah. you know um, but I don't this. I don't think there's anything wrong. Yeah. Everything you're saying is correct, but I mean, what's the practicality of it? How does what you're saying translate into the what happens? You know, I showed up at Dave's church, Kay and I did, and they gave us they gave us the elements, mm-hmm. or whatever you call them, the, the wine and the bread. They just gave them to us. Right. I mean, they didn't know me. They, you know, so is is what you're saying is that's that's our stance and that's what we preach and. When it comes time, he did say. He did say though. During if you if oh, you've okay. been baptized, you can come. Right. So he didn't police that, you, but, but he that said, was okay. yeah. That was during the. Okay. Yeah. I didn't hear that. Them but. giving them to you at the beginning—that's a COVID thing. Normally, they don't do that. Oh, I got. Um, oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because you were okay. there. Yeah. yeah. That, I'm good. No, normally, <laughs> normally they distribute them. So this is uh, Joe and I have already talked about this, and this is this is one of my hangups on the whole thing is I have always come from a perspective that 
I don't think man should regulate who comes to the table. That just like you said, that it's it's God is inviting me to the table, um, and it's not the elders or the pastor to say, "Nope, you can't come because I'm not sure that you're actually a, a part of the kingdom," you know, because you haven't been baptized, you know. Um, and so, I mean, I, I again, I, I pretty much agree with everything you said, right? But. But where it comes down to is, I don't see anything in Scripture that says, that tells man to be careful about who you, who you let come to the table. I see it all talking about churches, be careful how you, you know, don't hold stuff. Actually, it says don't hold bread back from people. That's that right. context of that is saying you got people over there sitting there starving. You got other people feasting and getting drunk. That's a serious, you know, that's a bad thing. Uh, and... Um, and so if there was somewhere in scripture that said, you know, elders, be careful about who you let come to the table, then I would, I could live with that. But the issue to me is, you know, I mean, I, just to give you a, an example, let's say I come to Dave Thatcher's church and I, and I, I haven't accepted Christ. And in the middle of his sermon, I say, wow, this is, this is, this is what God is calling me right now. I want to should I be able to join into the, the feast at that moment, or do I need to go and get approval from someone by setting up my baptism, getting my baptism done before I can actually come to the table? I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't see a support for that in Scripture. But, but what you're describing there is really, it's pretty, transi- it's pretty there's a, like a, just a transition, right? I mean, because if, if you believe, then you, then you should go get baptized. Right, that's, right. That's, that's, that much I think is clear. Um, that that those who believe should get baptized. Yes, I and mean, that's absolutely. and I mean whether you're Baptist or or Presbyterian, you can believe if, if you believe, go get baptized. <laughs> if right. you can well, if you can give a creed, and, go get and, baptized. And there, the the sacraments, unlike in Catholicism, are not a vehicle for grace to be imparted, meaning right. that they're a participation. And so, you're abstaining preceding your baptism if you go, hey, I I believe, okay go and get baptized, and it takes you two months to get baptized, and the Lord happens to take you before your baptism. Right. It's like, that's enough. I, I think you're, you're, you're fine. This isn't like a Catholic situation where it's like, we need right. to get your last rites in, and you actually right. need to get baptized, because that's where self, you know, there's some salvific yep. power in that. Um, so, um, yeah. but it does, but it does create a little bit of like, uh, maybe like, almost like a anticipation to be part of the body, like anticipation to be with your bride, like oh whoa, hey, we, we gotta wait, we gotta wait, we gotta wait to, to participate in this. So I, in that regard, I mean, I yeah, I, I, I see the I see the advantage of like having the mark of baptism and it not being. Maybe I missed. Maybe I, well, I, no, I feel like you were looking at me like I might have missed. Yeah, I don't. I, yeah, I don't. <laughs> My point is clear. Purely scripturally, uh-huh. I just don't see support for that in scripture. If you can point to verse that says that shows me that that the elders are supposed to regulate who comes and who doesn't, then I'm isn't okay. that what excommunication is all about? The regulating, right? That's the one place is, but that's when you've been caught in sin or regular. I just mean it's sin. like that's a that's a of the elders administering right. the sacraments, right? right. Um, that's the one place it talks about. So maybe you could say that you're being 
disobedient by not getting baptized. So until you fall under obedience to get baptized, then you can join the table. I mean, I, maybe it's you're saying it's a form of communication. I, I don't. I don't think it's excommunication at all. Right. Um, so that's. Then, I think so. Then this, that doesn't really apply to what we're talking about. This is clearly well. It only applies in that the elders are taking care of the elements. It's the the the, the church, you know, in mass doesn't doesn't um, administer the elements. The elders do. The elders right. of the church. Right. Um, it, right. The elders do, do that. The church elders do. But um, uh, under the, it says we believe, this is going to sound off topic, but it's not. We believe that legitimate modes of water baptism include immersion, pouring, or sprinkling in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We deny that the scriptural significance of water baptism can be nullified by the mode of application. So you can't say, oh, you got, you got sprinkled. It's not legitimate. I, I got immersed and that was legitimate. And so so the, the reason why I wrote that or I read that is because this has to be something where we have to be kind of like more understanding that sacramentally we've got a lot of things to learn still. And so we're, tr- we're trying to be, we're trying not to close the table at all because the requirement of baptism is a really low, it's a, it's a really low bar in terms of like, we're not, we're not saying you have to prove to us anything. We're just right. saying, have you had a little bit of water sprinkled on you, or have you been dumped? You know, what, that that kind of thing. It's like there's nothing, there's nothing glorious or grand, or um, even a, even like physically a, a requirement outside of just baptism. Um, all that all that to say is that I think we we need to talk more about this because I don't want anybody right. to feel this this should make people feel more included, not more excluded. Because a lot of Reformed churches. They think you got to get to a certain point where you can convince the elders that you are a believer, and then you can come to the table. And, and I'm, yeah. I'm totally opposed to that because it, it puts an IQ on being hungry. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, you can be hungry and a newborn baby. You understand hunger, and and if you're and if you are a kid, you understand inclusion and exclusion at a very early age. And you know, hey, mom and dad baptized me, but they won't feed me. Or, but you know that. So, anyways, let's let's talk more about this. Just since it's <laughs> been at this two hours, <laughs> um, uh, I think we need to talk more about it for sure. But I, I do want everybody to feel more like this is something that any type of mode that you're convinced of. If you're convinced of immersion, that's good. Welcome. If you're convinced of pouring. Those of you who are convinced of immersion need to be. Okay with, okay with people who, who are... It's not the volume of water that makes <laughs> Right. It hurts me. Yeah. Um, Especially la- the sprinkling. Yeah. <laughs> Last two things are on... Um, so, Sunday fellowship night, um, I'd like us to practice covenant renewal. I'd like to start practicing covenant renewal. So, um, I want to reach out to people um, to participate. Um, whether that is praying... Um, whether it's giving a prayer of petition, a prayer of thanksgiving, giving an exhortation, leading the discussion, playing music, whoever, whoever, uh, you know, Andrew, if you want to, I don't know if you want to start doing some music, but I would love for us to start structuring this with more of a liturgy. Um, so we don't have to discuss that right now, but just be thinking about that. And if you're if you're dying to be a, to do something during that night, let me know. Otherwise, I'll eventually get to you. <laughs> I'll eventually get to you to, to ask you to do something. You didn't call. Um, music towards me. Was there a reason for that? Yeah, well, you know, we need a congregation to sing. Have you heard me sing, John? Well, and I, I know, I know, Les, Les does music in his church too, and, and I'm deaf in my right ear. Yeah. Uh, I haven't heard that. 
Uh, and then the, just the Thursday night discussions, I don't think they'll always be two hours long like they were tonight. But um, I think we should get back to doing those every week until we launch at least. And then once we do launch, we can, we can look more at like doing like Bible, like more of like a Bible study. Um, I think next week we should look at some biblical leadership stuff. But, uh, any, any thoughts on that before we close? Kirby, you want to close this? Sure. Dear Lord, we thank you for our ability to uh, come here today and talk with each other and dive into uh, what you would like us to do, what you, what your will is for us as a church. Mm-hmm. Uh, we pray that you are able to uh, impart your wisdom in us as we uh, study this document and that we uh, dive deeper into your word for more understanding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We pray that we will uh, gain clarity uh, and that we will also um, gain uh, a solid union in our yes. uh, opinions and yep. our, mm-hmm. in our decisions, Lord God, that we are able to come together and uh, ultimately uh, form a, a church that is glorifying you, Lord yes. God. Uh, we pray that we are able to find uh, more families, that we are able to get this launched sooner, and that we are able to uh, just be source of love for these families if they're coming in the area or if they're just people in our lives that uh, need us to reach out to them. Mm-hmm. We thank you for our help that we're able to come here tonight and fellowship with each other. We pray that you bless us in this week going forward. Amen. 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 Thanks, brother. Amen. Thanks, guys, for coming today.